Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you. You can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to the building. Welcome, online family. Hey, we're having a Connect series starting next week, so get back to the counter back there and get signed up. Be a part of that. Going through the book of Philippians, four-week series short, so not a huge commitment. Okay. We're not trying to lower the bar. We're just trying to get you an on-ramp to get more committed, okay? All right, hey, we're going to honor God or worship God. We're going to do a baby dedication. Now listen, I love this. Um, this isn't a ritual. This isn't a box we check off. I believe that children are a gift from the Lord, um, especially when they're little. And then uh, you don't see many teenagers being dedicated to God. <laughs> you know, the, the saying, you know, they say that uh, we know that um, when... Uh, Abraham offered up Isaac that he couldn't have been a teenager because it wouldn't have been a sacrifice. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. Be nice now. Be nice. Um, but we do believe that what, that which we commit to God, he'll keep. And so we believe in the a threefold dedication that's really taking place. Uh, Chris and Lauren are dedicating Brooklyn, precious Brooklyn, sleep there, yeah, uh, to the Lord. Um, they're dedicating their lives to train her in the fear and admonition of God, and we as a church family dedicate ourselves to live in such a way that if Brooklyn were to come and walk alongside any of us who profess Jesus, she would know what it meant to be a devoted follower of Christ. Amen? So uh, stretch your hands this way as we pray this prayer of dedication. Father, we thank you for this precious child. We just lay our hands upon you, Brooklyn, and we, we speak to you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we pray that you'll know that in the deepest part of your heart and soul all the days of your life. We pray that you'll come to know Jesus at a young and tender age. And we bless you to walk in his paths and his will for your life. We bless your hands and your feet and your mind and your heart to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. We pray that the nearness of God will be your good and you'll be sensitive to his voice and to the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit as he works in you and works through you for God's greater purpose and extension of his kingdom on the earth. Chris and Lauren, we, we lay our hands upon you and we pray for wisdom and favor that you would be given by God in the eyes of your precious daughter that you'll have discernment and understand the bent, the unique gifting that God has put within her and that you'll train her and encourage her in that way. May God give you wisdom and favor beyond your years as you train her up in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we dedicate ourselves as, a, as professors of Jesus. We profess Christ, Lord. We pray for grace to walk in you and with you that we could before this young child's eyes, Lord, as she would watch and observe us either here or see us out in public, she would know 
what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus. We pray for this grace to be upon us all. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. And amen. Let's give them a big hand. Praise God. Bless you all. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise be to God. Okay, church, you all ready to get into the word? Seriously? Ready for the word to get into you? All right. Well, it's going to come, and uh, we'll pray that, that that will incarnate this word. Incarnation, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Um, we are to be the living word of God in the earth today as Christ followers. Christ who Emmanuel, Christ in us, the hope of glory. The word of God came alive in Jesus, and now the word of God in Jesus is coming alive through us. And we need to be the, the letter being written and read of all men because that's what Christ is doing in our changed lives and heart. Amen? Okay, I'm preaching before I pray. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll preach. Father God, we love you today, but we love you because you first loved us. And we're grateful and we're thankful for all that you've done and all that you're doing. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you, God, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You're such a good, good Father. And we give you praise and honor and we give you glory today. And we pray, God, for grace to, upon grace to be poured out upon our hearts. That we might not just hear this word, but that we might hear it with a view to put it into action, mix it with faith. And that, God, the word would come alive in us and it would bear fruit, that which you send it forth to bear in our lives. And that by bearing fruit and our fruit would remain, that we would so prove to be your disciples and glorify you, our Father in heaven. We pray for this grace to be upon us in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Okay, I want to jump right into Galatians chapter 2. I, I preached a message last week entitled, Crucified with Christ. And we're going to continue on that theme of crucifixion today. Galatians 2, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. The Apostle Paul writing to the Galatians who was bringing correction and rebuke to, uh, to apostles, to other leaders who had, who had gone astray, who had become hypocritical in their faith because they were going back to the law. They were requiring Gentile Christians to be circumcised. Peter, Barnabas, James, and Paul got right in their face. He rebuked them publicly. And um, he hadn't read Norman Vincent's pill, How to Win Friends and Influence People yet. Uh, no knock on that other than the fact that you know, we, we say, well, you know, you have to just rebuke in private and, and, and do all the praise in public. Well, that's not always the right thing to do. Sometimes you have to, you have to, you have to bring it right in the presence of all, that others might be fearful of sinning. And Paul was here going, hey, you guys are distorting the truth of God's word, and you're even being hypocritical about it. And, and so Paul says, look, if anyone had the place to be a Pharisee of Pharisees, which he was, a Hebrew of Hebrews, I mean, Paul, uh, regarding zeal, there wasn't anybody that was topping him for, for the law. And, I mean, he stood, at Pete, he, he stood at the first martyr's death of the Christian church, who was Stephen, and held his coat while he's being stoned to death. I mean, that's, that's the Apostle Paul. And until he, he uh, had an encounter with God on that Damascus road when the light blinded him and he literally went blind and God, you know, he fell to the ground. People say that he fell off his horse. Well, 
the context doesn't say whether he was riding a horse or not. Big deal, right? But people will preach it. Like, well, where do you, how do you know he was on a horse? I mean, like, you just made that up, didn't you? We assumed he was. He could have just been out for a walk. And uh, God encountered him. And so it doesn't matter whether you ride a horse or a donkey or you're in your car. God can encounter you wherever you are. So that's the point. But, but Saul was like on this terror. Like he believed he was serving the purposes of God by persecuting in the church and putting Christians to death and putting them in prison. And then he had an encounter with God that changed his life forever. And this is what he's talking about. Guys, I used to, I used to live by this law. And I would go out and hand out tickets to everyone who wasn't going exactly according to the law. I was putting them to death. And, and I believed I was serving God. And yet I was going against God. And this is what he said. He goes, I died to this that I might live to God. See, it's not enough for you to die to something. You must live to something. They say about people who retire, look, if you don't retire, you can retire from something, but you need to retire to something. It's not enough just to retire. Like, what are you going to retire to? Don't be retire to inactivity. That's not a good thing. Like, no, I'm going to retire to something. And I, hopefully more than just collecting seashells at the seashore. I mean, you can do that like as a hobby, but don't retire to that. Retire to some activity, uh, to, to volunteer somewhere, uh, continue to move and operate and use the giftings God has given you. Maybe without the pressure of some of the other things that you retired from, but you need to retire to the purposes of God. Okay, all right, that's another thing on retirement. You didn't know you were coming to retirement seminar today, did you? All right. But, that, but why do we die to stuff? That we might live to God. I'm not just dying to my old nature and my old way just to be a good person. No, I'm, I die to this stuff that I might live to God. That I might live to God. And the Apostle Paul said I, that I, I, I live to God. Then he says in, in verse 20, that, that famous passage, I, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Some translation says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I like both. I think it's both and. I, I, like God says, okay, your, your faith is weak. Guess what? I've got, I got strong faith. Let me share it with you. See, that's called the great exchange. That's called the great surrender. God, I, I, I believe, but help my unbelief prayer. Like, okay, God, I have faith. I have a measure of faith, but I want that measure to grow. I want my measure of faith to grow. And I need your faith, God. I need your perseverance. Paul wrote in Thessalonians, I pray that your hearts will be directed into the love of God and the perseverance of Christ. How many of you need more perseverance? Well, that's a good prayer. God, direct my heart into the love of God and the perseverance of Christ. I pray that prayer almost every time I'm at the, uh, at the refrigerator putting my purified water into my cup so that I'll get my liquids in for the day. And there I've got pictures of my family. I've got grandchildren and uh, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. I've got pictures of my father-in-law, and, and I, that's the prayer. It's like, okay, well, this is, it's about 25 seconds, so I don't spend a lot of time in intercession. But, you know, we might as well redeem the time, right? So it's good, just habits, rhythms. Just put good habits and rhythms in your life. 
that are godly, that are going to help you be productive with things that are beyond just, you know, standing there like, hurry up and fill up. It's like, might as well do something productive with it. And I just found that as a natural thing. So I've asked my wife, I said, can we get pictures of the family members? And then I pray, you know, there's Miles and there's Jude and there's Aniston and there's Emerson Rose and there's my father-in-law and these pictures. And I just, God, direct their hearts into the love of God and the perseverance of Christ. You see, okay. (laughs) The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. What amazing love, isn't it? Paul says, God gives me, I live in his faith. I live by faith because he loved me. That's the biggest thing, because he gave himself up for me. So why am I serving the purposes of God? Because God first loved me. That's it. That's my motivation. My motivation is not to be a better person, not to be famous. It's because he first loved me. I hope you carry that revelation in your heart. God loved me first. That's why... I live in him and through him and for him and by him because he did it all. And then in Galatians 6, he carries it further about this whole idea of crucifixion. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, they had the fear of man in them. Like, oh, there's people who, you know, you need to, you know, it's got to be whatever. And, and so legalism and this stuff creeps in. Like, well, if you, if you only, you know, hey, if you're going to be a real Christian, King James only. King James only. You know, it's the, it's the Bible Paul used. Listen, you you can laugh, but there are people who argue that it's like, no, the King James is the only word of God. I think that was written in 1500s, maybe. What did those poor people do before that? 16, whatever. I mean, so what did the people before? They're just lost. They're all lost. But, but the point is, is that you and I can get into the same trap of not keeping the main thing the main thing, which is Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead, that you must be born again, and there is no life outside of Christ. And this is Paul. Guys, I know the letter of the law. I understand it. I preached it. I taught it. And I was, I got it all wrong. But I've encountered Jesus, and my life is now in Jesus and through Jesus and by Jesus and for Jesus. And as we sing this song, if we don't get this right, nothing else is going to be right. We all know that we need more than just Jesus, right? Like I need food. I need air. I need connection because Jesus taught that we are connected to a body So it's not just me and Jesus, but if we don't get the Jesus part right, first, foremost, preeminent, first place in our lives, then all this other grasping for for people and things and stuff will never satisfy. But when he is our ultimate satisfaction, then we can enjoy life in each other in a healthy way. But without it, we cling, we, we, we have selfish ambition, we have quarrels and fights and jealousies and all what James talks about because we haven't surrendered to crucifixion. 
We're still too much alive. And so he says here, not even those who circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the point through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is the new creation. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. New creation, that which didn't exist before. You've heard me say it before and I'll say it again and again. God didn't die on the cross to give you a better life. God died on the cross to give you a brand new life, a life that never existed before. And that's part of the problem. We just want God to make us better. And we just want to treat him like a trinket that we can pin on our hat or something and go, yeah, I got baptized. And yeah, I, I, I can win Bible quizzes. And yes, I can, you know, and I go to this church and I do these things and da 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 And all that can be very good. But we wear them like merit badges of approval. When the only thing we can boast about is the cross. The cross. It's at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. The burden of my heart rolled away. And it was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. It's like, I'm not happy all the day. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm still too much alive is why. And so that's why I've titled this message, The Crucified Life. The Crucified Life. Do you understand what I'm teaching about today? The death life. Is that a, that seems odd, doesn't it? It's kind of like the bumper sticker I saw on a car. Both bumper stickers right next to each other coexist. Mean people suck. <laughs> Glenn, I'm like, is there an irony in this? Do, do we not see this? Like, is there not? You want me to coexist, but don't, then it means I have to coexist with mean people who suck. <laughs> but here's the problem, okay? It's in the church. I, I've talked with two professional people, one, a, 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 a PhD an MD and one a PhD in philosophy this week. And um, both are hurting. Because, and they're, they're, if it were from the world, it'd be one thing, but they're hurting from professing Christians who have, who have a social media presence of loving God and, you know, posting all this stuff about God. And, but, but, encountering them outside of their social media world and then sometimes even getting called out on their social media world, they, they've, they're encountering meanness and complaining and harshness. And my heart broke. And because of their professions and stuff, they, they can't share with me who it was, but some of them were people from the rock. And, I, and my heart broke because I thought this ought not to be so. We haven't learned Christ this way. 
And the reason is, is because we're not living as dead people who have come alive in Christ. We're not dead yet. (laughs) The crucified life, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I say, when I read the scriptures and I read Jesus, he said, bless those who persecute you. He didn't say cuss them out. He didn't say call them names. Should we do an altar call right now? And then you just hear the flat, but, yeah, but, but, but what? But what? But what? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? You profess Jesus. You profess him. Now, I'm, that's your profession of faith. Will you please die so Jesus can get out? Will you keep pushing him back and let, let me say it out? Let me have it. Like, would you just die so Jesus can be seen in you? crucified life so you see how many of you want to be resurrected to be with Jesus forever okay but how come you don't want to die because without crucifixion there's no resurrection and crucifixion is a doorway to resurrection life everybody wants to go to heaven but no one wants to die to get there I want to go to heaven, but I want to die to get there. I want the life of Christ, but I don't want to die to get the life of Christ. And that's the problem. We are all in need of ophthalmologists. We've got eye problems. <laughs> we got eye, 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 eye. I don't want to go. I don't want to sing that song. I don't want to worship this way. I don't want this. I don't want that color of carpet. I don't want this. I don't want, I, 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 I. I don't want to eat there. I was, we had all four grandchildren this week. Why both sets of parents were out. I thanked God for the snow and the cancellations because we only had two of us that had to send them all four different directions at the same time. Like, how am I going to? How are we going to do this? I'm going to have to call on some friends. And then it got canceled, so we we're like, thank God. But I mean, I have only never had responsibility for four kids at one time. I only, we had two growing up in our home. So it's like, I have a whole new appreciation for you parents that are like multiple, like five, six, seven, eight. I've, I've met a pastor this past couple weeks ago, 16, biological. I know. They weren't related to the Dugers. They may have watched too many of their shows, but they... they <laughs> Careful what you watch. <laughs> All right. And I said, okay, guys, where do you want to eat? Well, I didn't, I stopped doing that because I don't ask them anymore. <laughs> We're going to Freddy's. Yes, good health food. Good soul food, comfort food. 
I don't want to go to Freddy's. One, one. I don't care. We're going to Freddy's. That's where we're going. Well, what do we, we want to get some dessert. I said, we'll get dessert after the trampoline park. Well, I want it now. No, we're going to wait till after. And we'll go to Sheridan's. I want to go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> I, 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 I. So we went through Dairy Queen for one, Sheraton's for the other three. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, I like Dairy Queen. Peanut butter parfait. <clears throat> Haven't had one, didn't get one, <laughs> but I might later on in the week. But this I, and Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm dead, and I'm yielding to the life of Christ. I'm dead, and I'm surrendering to the life of Christ. And in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And this is where human opinion just needs to go to the wayside, and that's part of the problem of our society today, because everyone thinks, everyone wants to hear what you've got to say. Well, I think this, and I think that. <laughs> And I'm just going to let my 10 followers know so I can get three likes. And we've made an impact. Bam. Gotcha. <laughs> Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. You see, we need to be people of revelation, not just our opinion. We need revelation of God, of the ways of God, of the truth of God. The Bible's an inspired book. That's why if you're not born again, you'll get it all wrong. It, seriously, it, you can't interpret it without the Holy Spirit. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this confession, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, now here's where the rubber meets the road here. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then what happened? The natural man stepped in. The flesh stepped in. The fearful one stepped in. Fear took over. And what, did hap what happened? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> Can you imagine? And yet we go, oh, I would never do that. <laughs> really? How many of you have ever said, God, how come you didn't? Come on. How many of you have ever, you know, God, I don't agree with this. You didn't answer my prayer. You totally ignored what I requested. I can't believe. How is that any different? 
Seriously, how, I'm just asking the question, how is that really any different? I was like, oh, I'd never do that, like rebuke God. It's like, how many of us rebuke God with the way we live? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How can a guy that just had a revelation that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, turn and be getting filled with the devil in the next? It can happen. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And how many of us as professing believers are more concerned about this present world and this present stuff and complain about it and murmur about it and call people all kinds of names and disrespect humanity because of things that are not pleasant for us in this present world right now. I'm talking to believers here. And how many of us are standing in the way of what God wants to do because we're so worldly? I was asking for a friend. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and what? Take up their cross. You mean the little decorative one that I can wear around my neck? Is that the cross he's talking about? Hmm? Is he talking about the wooden cross, the two that we have back there at the communion areas where you can take communion weekly if you want to? Is that the cross he's talking about? No, he's talking about the cross that you apply to your heart that brings crucifixion and denial to your way that his way might be manifest. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You see what happens when you go, well, I'm just, I'm just going to try to find myself. I feel sorry for you because you know what you're going to end up with is you. Seriously, you're going to get to the end of this trying to discover myself and find yourself and be very disappointed. But if you'll lose your life, if you'll deny yourself and follow Jesus, you're going to find life indeed. Because it's not about me. It's about him. His kingdom. Did we sing it? Your kingdom come quickly. The rule and reign of Jesus. That's life. What good will it profit be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. 
not what they believed. <laughs> Brother Jimmy, this is what you do. You don't know how many flowers in my heart I've gotten for my wife. How many bouquets of flowers I've gotten in my heart. But they never manifested because it's too expensive. <laughs> Honey, you've missed out on so many flowers. I had the greatest intentions. In all seriousness, the greatest intentions of doing all kinds of stuff for her. What, did, what good was the thought without the action? What, what did it do? It did nothing, right? But we'll applaud ourselves for our intentions. And we judge everyone else for their actions. It's true. Well, I intended to show up. Well, I intended to be there. But you weren't. But I intended to. Can I get credit for intending? No, but that's the world we're living in now. Like, well, boss, I, I wanted to be there for work today, but I stayed up playing video games too late last night and I overslept and you got to at least pay me for half a day for the intention of being there. <laughs> but that's what we do. We'll always let ourselves off the hook because of our intentions, but we'll always, we'll always bring down the hammer for other people's actions. And he says, no, you, you, when he comes in his glory, you're going to be rewarded for what you've done. Not for what you intended to do. And I'm sorry if this goes against our cultural world today where everyone gets a participation trophy. <clears throat> it's not the real world. It's a make-believe world. My, the, the, the bank that holds this building, the note on it, because we owe, we still owe on it, they don't let me say, well, I intended to pay you last week or last month. That doesn't work. Well, can I come and just, you know, mow your lawn once and, you know, pay the $17,000 bill? Or, or, you know what, let me, let me come and volunteer once a week. <laughs> you are not worth $17,000 a month once a week. Like, that will not pay the bill. Sorry. All right. Three points. Can't have a good sermon without just three points. You gotta have three points of illustration. Let's go. How do we do this? How do we live the crucified life? How do we do it? You live the crucified life daily. Then Jesus said to all of them, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Through denial and death, I enter into the resurrected life. There's no other way. If I don't have a daily mentality, a moment-by-moment -moment mentality, this is not my life. It's the life I'm going to live for God, and it's going to require denial, and it's going to require death, then I'm not going to live the crucified life. It's not going to happen. I've got to do it daily. 
Our fallen human nature is completely and utterly selfish. We are born wanting all of our needs met right now. And if we're not careful, we'll continue to live in life self-centered, immature children. But as Christians, there is a higher call to put off our old nature and put on the new nature. Point number two, you surrender to discipline. Paul writes in Corinthians, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to take the prize. Everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline. Ooh, strict discipline. They do it for a crown that is perishable, but we do it for a crown that is imperishable. Therefore, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight like I'm beating the air. No, I discipline what? My body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not, I myself will not be disqualified. How do we do this? Through through the grace of God, through discipline, through the help of the Holy Spirit. First Timothy says now, the Spirit explicitly states that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith to follow deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons, influenced by the hypocrisy of liars, whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. They will prohibit marriage and require abstinence from certain foods that God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creation of God is good, and nothing what is received with thanksgiving should be rejected because it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. You see, he goes on to say, by pointing out these things to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and sound instruction that you have followed, but reject irreverent, silly myths. Instead, train yourself for what? For what? That's another word for discipline. You know what? I never, ever tried to run a 5K. I've never, ever tried to run a half marathon. But I trained for them, and I did. Well, I tried. I tried this. I tried that. That's the problem. You tried. You need to train yourself to do this. And training requires discipline. And training requires other motivations depending on your nature. Some people are inward motivated, self-motivated. I'm doing this. It's going to happen. And by the grace of God, I'm going to walk out. Other of us need encouragement. We need accountability. We need people in our life to say, hey, when I tell my wife, hey, honey, I really feel like it's God's will that I don't work out today, that I lay in bed and cuddle with you for that half hour. And she does not receive that. I need to have my quiet time and my cup of coffee, and you need to get out of here and get your butt down there and do what you need to do. Well, she doesn't say butt, but I hear that. Train yourself for godliness. For physical exercise is of limited value, but godliness is valuable in every way. Holding promise for the present life and the one to come. This is a trustworthy saying worthy of full acceptance. To this end, we labor and strive because we have set our hope on the living God who is the Savior of everyone, and especially of those who believe, command and teach these things. Command and teach godliness command and teach godliness with discipline with godliness is great gain command and teach these things and then thirdly you will not accomplish point number one or point number two without point number three 
you will not be able to do it. You'll get carnal. You'll get in the flesh. You'll get pharisaical. You'll get uh, rule-oriented instead of relationship-oriented. And every other thing that comes with it, you must give control to the Holy Spirit. You must surrender to the Holy Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, and then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, what will happen? You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship By him we cry, Papa or Abba, Father. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of relational connectedness and nearness. He's not the God who's afar off. He's not the God we just keep rules for. He's my dad. He's my Papa. The Spirit inside of me allows me to say, my Papa in heaven, my Dad in heaven, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, you're awesome, you're good, you're gracious, you're loving, you're kind, you're merciful, you're forgiving. There's an abundance of grace when I enter into your throne room. Oh, God, you're good. See, this is the Spirit. And how do we do it? We, by the Spirit, we put to death these things. By the Spirit we die and deny ourselves daily. By the Spirit, lest any man would boast. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. So in closing, I want you to stand with me. And here's something that I've been pondering and thinking about. I realize that fearfulness and fretting and anxiety about my present and my future is a result of the fact that I am still alive to this world and its systems. I've realized that. When I get fearful of the future and fearful of all the stuff going on in the earth and everything else that's happening and the craziness and insanity of decisions that are being made by public figures and governmental authorities and things like that, then you know what I've realized? I realize that I'm still too alive and that I'm not taking up my cross and I'm not dead to this world yet. I'm not saying we don't have concerns. I don't say that we don't have prayer points. But when you're getting all worked up and you're getting all fretful and you're getting all anxious and you and I are getting all mean and angry and mad and and Christ isn't coming out, it's because we're too alive. We're too alive to this system when God wants us to be alive to his kingdom and his kingdom ways and the life of Christ. 
when I allow the Holy Spirit to reign in me, then peace that surpasses understanding guards and protects my heart and mind. And guess what else happens? Godliness with contentment becomes great gain. Great gain and a peace like a river floods my soul. And so today, I call you, I call me, those of us who profess Christ to live the crucified life, to die. I invite you to die that you might live. Just die that you might live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, Father in heaven, Abba, Father, Dad, we need your help right now. We need your grace to flood our hearts. If you, if you know there's some things that you need to deny, lift your hand. You just have some I, 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 I want this, I want that, I, want, I gotta have this, I gotta have that. And, and, and you just know there's some denial that need, you need to deny yourself and you need to go ahead and die. Lift your hand. If you know that there's areas that the cross has not applied to your heart, maybe areas of unforgiveness, maybe areas of revenge, maybe areas of bitterness, maybe areas of self-pity that just need to die, that you might come alive in God, come alive in Jesus. Just lift your hand as a way of saying, God, here, my hand's lifted, God, I need you. God, I need you, I want you. God, I need your life, I need I need to take up my cross daily. I need to learn how to deny myself. I, I need to learn to die that I might live, God. And I, I need grace. And so Holy Spirit, come and fill me now. Holy Spirit, come and fill every area of my life. Renew my mind and let the life of Christ shine in me and the life of Christ shine through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.